today a handheld mic, uh, a stand, uh, a lot of things to have to deal with while I'm up here, but it's good to see everyone. I am Rodney. I'm a member here. Like Dave said, we worked together for a long time. It doesn't seem like 20 years, but, you know, you look like it's been 20 years. <laughs> I still look young. Uh, anyway, I, I brought a staff with me today. We were in, we were in Williamstown, Virginia, earlier in the month of October, and we went to, they did a rare thing on Friday. They had an auction, didn't they, Jaden? And you could buy stuff at the auction, bid on it, and after every sale, this guy, of course, they were dressed up like they would have done it in 1760. He'd take his stat and go, huzzah! Everybody say that. Huzzah! huzzah! After every sale, huzzah! What did that mean? Hear, hear, amen. That's all it was. It was, hey, we made the sale. That was good. Jaden became the huzzah guy. And they kept looking for him after every sale. Where's the guy saying, because he was into it. Well, I want to ask you a question this morning as we start this new series. When God calls us out of hiding, it changes everything. I want to ask you something. Have you ever had an opportunity when you were somewhere and you just decided, I just need to do something radical? Has that ever happened to you? I mean, raise your hand. Be honest. Not too many. It happened to me in Branson, Missouri. My wife and I had gone there for a weekend getaway. Somebody had given us a gift for Christmas. And so we had the choice of going to a Tony Orlando or a Lawrence Welk show. That was part of the package. I chose Tony Orlando not because of Tony Orlando, because of Dawn. Even though he had been not singing for 20 years, I figured he'd changed his backup singers, and he had. They didn't look like they'd aged a bit. So we go to this show, and his son was out there, and you could tell his son did not have the talent of his father, and he was warming up the crowd. And he really wasn't doing a very good job. But anyway, they asked people from the audience if there was somebody in their group, because there were a lot of tour buses, if they were, had someone funny, if they would bring them up on stage. So everybody sent one, and then he goes, now I don't want to leave out anybody. So if you're here with someone who's not in a tour bus, raise your hand and you will get them up on stage. Well, my wife, who loves to volunteer for me to do things, said, right here, this man right here needs to be on stage. So, of course, they bring me up on stage. So his son walks down and he holds the mic in front of everybody and says, I want you to tell your funniest joke. I was the last one. This is when I felt moved in a radical way. He walked over to me. He put the mic in front of my face, and I felt the calling, and I snatched it right out of his hand. I figure I've been brought up on stage for a reason. I've got one shot at fame. I'm seizing the moment. I looked at him, and I said, what you need to do is to go over there with all of those people that you've just had tell a joke and act like you're all buying drapes. And I began to just take over. Five, ten minutes, I really don't know how long, I was getting the people, hey, are you excited to be in Branson, Missouri? Which I wasn't, but they were. <laughs> and we just, I just went on and I finally told a joke and I mean, they all laughed and roared and he's over there looking backstage going, have I been set up? 
Is this for real? What's happening? <clears throat> Little did he know that I was just having fun. <laughs> I felt called and I took the mic. When it was over, they didn't give me very much. I didn't even get a contract to come back. I should have told everybody to be there on Friday night, but I didn't. So, And after it was over, we were out back during intermission, and a bunch of people came up to me and said, man, that was really awesome. Are you a professional? Do you do this? Do you do that? My wife said, no, he's a preacher. <laughs> you gave him a stage and a microphone. That's all he needs. Well, I want you to know that that happens to us more often than we might think. I've said this before, and I've said it on this stage, that God wants to take you where places where you don't want to go, to do things that you think you can't do, to reach people that you don't know who they are because he has a plan. In the life of Moses, and we're going to look at that today, what happens when God calls us, when he calls us out of hiding? In Exodus chapter 2 through 4, we, we kind of see this whole thing of Moses and his calling and how God calls him. Now, in the very beginning in chapter 2, Moses, as we know, was rescued from the water. If you're not familiar with the story, I would take some time this afternoon and read Exodus. But he was taken, he was, the, the people of Israel had grown as they'd been invited to, uh, to Egypt many years ago under Joseph. Now they had experienced 400 years of bondage. We talk about a pandemic that we've been in for several months. Imagine a 400-year one. And a lot of those people had grown up only knowing bondage and nothing else. Moses was rescued because, as we know, the Pharaoh wanted to minimize the growth of the Israelites, and we're going to kill all the male children. So Moses is rescued God ordained, rescued by Pharaoh's daughter of all people. And then she sends, Moses' sister had followed and sends her to get his own mother to raise him. So Moses was raised up in an Egyptian home. It says she nursed him until he was older and then he went and became Pharaoh's daughter's son. And then after a long time, Moses grows up. He understands who he is. We have to understand that. He knew he was a Hebrew. He was raised by his mom. If you're raised by your mom, your mom doesn't forget who you are. They remind you of who you are and whose you are, as we do with our children. You belong to God. Moses belonged to God. Moses, I think, had a calling. It says in chapter 2 that there was an incident that took place in verses 11 and 12. Where Moses see a Hebrew man being beaten. He had gone out and he saw the plight of his people. And he kills the Egyptian. Buries him in the sand. Now I think he felt a calling to deliver his people. I don't know if he thought he was going to accomplish killing one Egyptian at a time. I don't know what his thought process was. But apparently he felt that. Then the next day when he saw some Hebrews fighting, he gets on them. Why are you fighting amongst yourselves? And then they... Reveal to him that they saw him kill the Egyptian. Are you going to kill us like you did him? Moses is afraid and flees because Pharaoh founds out and he's going to try to kill him. So Moses goes into hiding. And that's kind of where we pick this up today. Moses is hiding as a shepherd 
in Midia where he flees. When he flees, he meets uh, a woman, the, the, wife, the daughter of, of Jethro, a Midianite, and they were tending flock, and he rescues them from people that won't let them uh, water their sheep. And so he marries this woman, and he stays in hiding for nearly 40 years. 40 years. And then one day, while he's tending flock on the Mount Harab, God calls him. There's a burning bush. And it was an amazing, I'm sure, amazing sight. And Moses comes face to face with God, and God calls him out of hiding. And he wants him to go back to Egypt. And the stuff that takes place is quite remarkable. God had called Moses a long time ago. God had called Moses when he was a little boy. God had called Moses again when he was an older man and he saw Egyptians being mis or Hebrews being mistreated when he was living in the house of Pharaoh. And now God's calling him again. He's calling him out of hiding. I want you to go and lead my people out of Egypt. And this is where we pick up the story. You have your Bibles, look in chapter 4. Moses, he calls Moses. As Moses answered, well, what if they do not believe me or listen to me or say the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? Huzzah! God put something in Moses' hand. He had placed a staff there. He had equipped him with a staff to shepherd sheep. And now he was going to use that same staff and do some amazing things. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. You know what happened? It turned into a snake. Everybody stand back. Okay, oh, it's all right. We're good. We're good. Okay, just want to make sure. Thanks. I, I would have ran anyway, and somebody else would have had to finish the sermon. But Moses, God turned it into a snake. He turned it into a serpent. You see, when God calls us, he doesn't just call us and say, go. What God does is he equips us. I want you to notice some things here in this passage of Scripture. And first thing he tells him in verse 12, when Moses is arguing about, when Moses said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? He, he, he starts arguing. He starts arguing, Lord, I mean, or this in, in verse 3, he goes, in, in chapter 3, back when Moses called him, he goes, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, it's verse, 30, verse 11, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. So the first thing we need to understand, when God calls us out of hiding, he calls us and he says, I'll be with you. What did Jesus remind us in Matthew? Going to all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. And what did he say? And lo, I'll, always be, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. God says, go, I'm going to be with you. That's the first thing. We need to understand that. God is with us. And then God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you. It is I who have sent you. Then what does God do? In verses 16 through 22, we're not going to read it all, but trust me, it's there. I read it several times. God gives Moses the plan. He said, I want you to go. I want you to meet with the elders. And here's what I'm going to do. And he tells him all the things he's going to do. 
I'm going to take you down there. You're going to go before the uh, Pharaoh. You're going to tell him you want to go out into the land and worship for three days, but he's going to say no, and that's okay. Because then I'm going to perform signs and miracles. I'm going to perform all these things, and I'm going to prove to him who I am. And not only that, there's something else he tells him. Not only that, in verse 22, he says, you know what? Verse 21, and he said, I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward these people so that when you leave, you will not leave empty-handed. <laughs> he said, not only am I going to free your people, I'm going to plunder them, and they're going to like it. The women are going to go to their neighbors and say, give me your silver, give me your gold, and they're going to do it. He tells them everything that's going to happen. So, yeah, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to give you a plan, and I'm going to equip you. We've already talked about the miracle of the staff. He equipped him with the staff, but that wasn't it, because he equipped him with miracles. The staff turned into a serpent. There was two other miracles that he equipped him with before he left. The one of leprosy, where he says, put your arm in the cloak, and he pulls it out, and it's leper. Then he puts it back, and it's healed. Then he also equips him with another miracle that actually becomes the first plague, and that's turning the water into blood. He told Moses that you're going to get water out of the Nile, you're going to pour it on the ground, and it's going to turn to blood. I'm going to give you these miracles. That's interesting something about the whole serpent thing that I learned. There are two words in the Hebrew for the word serpent. One is Nahash, which actually means serpent. We see that in verse 4-3 when God calls him and tells him to throw his staff down. It was a snake. Then he tells him to pick it up. Moses was afraid. How many of you will pick up a snake by the tail? Anybody? Any takers? We can try it again. <laughs> but he told Moses to do that. But now what's really interesting, when they perform this miracle in front of Pharaoh in chapter 7, verse 9, a different word is used. The word is tannin. I think I'm pronouncing it right, T-A-N-N-I-N. Do you know what that word means in the Hebrew? Large reptile or river monster. Anybody like river monster show? One of my, Jane and I, we love that show. You know what a large river monster is in the Nile? Crocodiles. It is not beyond the imagination that God in front of Pharaoh not just turned the staff into a snake, but into a crocodile. Now, he may not have, but he might have. It's not beyond God's power to do those things. He equips Moses with a staff. He gives him miracles. And he gives him support. Because what does Moses do? Whew, I don't speak very well. I don't talk in front of people well. I, I have the same problem. I don't have that gift. I can't speak eloquently. So what does God do? Okay, you can take Aaron. I'll give you Aaron. Aaron will go. Aaron will be your mouthpiece. I'll tell you, you tell Aaron, Aaron tells Pharaoh. It'll work like that. And that's what God does. He gives him support. Even before all of those things. If you go back to when Moses grew up, he grew up in Egypt, in Pharaoh's house. 
He would have understood the ways of the Egyptians, the gods of the Egyptians, how to communicate with the Egyptians, to speak their language. God was equipping Moses long before Moses knew he was being equipped. And I want to tell you something. God was equipping you long before you knew you were being equipped. But now how does Moses respond? That's the real key here, isn't it? What does Moses do? Well, in chapter 4, we can just go through the whole list if you want. He made excuses. What if they don't believe? Who sent me? Who who am I going to tell them? God says, I am. Tell them I am the God of, of all of their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God that they've known from the beginning. I'm that God. That's who's sending you. But Moses just makes excuses. I can't speak well. In verse 13, he says, can you just send somebody else? Just send somebody else. How many times have you sat there and you felt called to respond to a ministry or something that you can do and your answer has been, somebody else can do that. That's what Moses says. Send somebody else. And I don't think Moses was fully committed like we think. There's an interesting thing that we learn about in chapter 24 of verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 24. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. Did you know that? He was about to kill Moses. But his wife took a flint knife, cut off the, her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. What was going on here? Moses had two sons. Obviously, in the beginning, Moses, growing up a Hebrew, knew the mark of Hebrews, the called people, was circumcision. Apparently, his firstborn had been circumcised, but to his wife, this might have been a deplorable thing to do. But God strikes Moses with some kind of illness or whatever it was, an intent to just let him die because Moses had not been fully committed to God's laws. Moses had really not been fully obedient. Moses could not go before the people and preach the law of God when he himself wasn't being obedient to the laws of God. His wife recognizes this and circumcises their son, throws it or touches his feet with it, however that is taken, and then God restores Moses. You see, Moses is now understanding he has to be fully committed to all of this. And he finally sends Aaron to meet him, and they go to Egypt. And the epic battle begins. Man, if you haven't read through all of that dialogue, it is amazing to see the great epic battle of God versus man. It's God saying, I am God. I am control of all things. I can do all things. Let me display my power. And man going, you know what? I think I'm a God too. And I don't believe what you're telling me. Does that not happen? I mean, you have to think about too. Pharaoh thought they were placed there because they were sons of gods. So they felt a deity. So if you're going to walk in here as a god, you better bring a lot. Because as we read through that, we learn that some of his magicians perform some of these miracles. That's why I kind of like the crocodile 
eating the other two crocodiles of the miracles that the Egyptians did. But this is what happened, this epic battle that takes place. So we have Moses, called by God, feels a calling, tries to do it his way, which didn't work very well. And because he failed, he flees. He goes into hiding for somewhat 40 years. God calls him back out. He had some inadequacies. He had some problems. He had some issues that he had to help God work him through. But then he goes on to face Pharaoh in this epic battle that leads the Egyptian people out of bondage 400 years. And we consider him one of the great men of the Bible. Now I have to ask a couple things today. <clears throat> what happens when God calls us? Because that's what you got to take from this. How do I know I've been called? How do you know? Well, there's an easy answer for it. How many of you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Okay. Guess what? You've been called. <laughs> Go to, go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9. Take your Bibles if you have a Bible or your electronic device. I can't use an electronic device very well to find this stuff. And one of these days the battery's going to die and I'll still have my Bible. So anyway, 2 Timothy chapter 1, I said to chapter 1 verse 9. It says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because his own purpose and grace. And this grace was given to us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. So I'm going to tell you something. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you've accepted his salvation, then my friend, you have been called. The problem is, most of us want the salvation. We want the salvation. We want forgiveness of our sins. We want eternity with God. But when it comes to this calling thing, <clears throat> I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. But if you've been saved, you've been called. Now, some of you might have received a calling early on in life. And like me, you ran from God. <clears throat> you went into hiding and you tried to hide behind other things. But you know what? If God's called you, he's going to find you. You can't hide from God. If you've been saved, you've been called. You may have received a calling earlier on, but once you became a Christian, guess what? God called you out of darkness. He called you to ministry. He called you to fulfill the gospel that he put out in Matthew. And whatever your individual calling is, I do not know, but that's something we need to figure out. Because the next thing you have to ask yourself is, have I accepted the call? Have I accepted the call? So now I've accepted it. I've become a Christian. Am I reluctant to go? Moses was reluctant to go. He made all kinds of excuses. Is that what you're doing today? Are you today in hiding? Hiding behind your family? Hiding behind your job? Hiding behind your career? One thing I learned, you cannot hide behind the age. Moses was almost 80 years old. So if you're using this I'm retired stuff, you can't. 
You cannot hide behind that. God doesn't care. And maybe you said, well, I'm too young. That one's out the door too. He called Moses when he was a little baby and made sure he got saved, placed in a basket, set in the water, and put him in the right places so he could fulfill that calling. I remember when God blessed us with two children. You realize I was 56 years old. My wife and I were talking one day, and she said, as, as our last one was getting ready to leave the nest, what am I going to do? All I've done is raise children. That's what she said. Guess what? We're still raising children. <laughs> My quiver's full. And oh, we do have another announcement to make. All of you all know Deandra. She is expecting a child in May, our third grandchild. So that's exciting. That's exciting. But are you reluctant to go? Are you making excuses? Are you making excuses and you've gone into hiding? Maybe you're hiding in your job. Well, I got a job. I got a family. I got a wife. I got kids. So? So? What does that mean? Does it mean God can't use you because you're doing the things he wants you to do? Maybe you're hiding in an addiction. It happens to a lot of people. That's why they go there. They go into hiding because they don't have to worry about it. There are guys, believe it or not, and Dave can probably testify to this, that hide in jail. I've met them. I've done jail ministries in the past. I remember meeting a young man. He goes, I like it here. Really? I don't have to think about what to do. They get me up. I go out. I pick up garbage along the side of the road. I get three meals. I have a place to sleep. I have no cares. Wow. Your job? You're so wrapped up in your job, you're missing the calling God's given you. What about fear? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid you can't say anything? You're afraid what to say? You're afraid what to do? You're afraid that, that that's not going to happen? Well, well, that's not true. Because God has called us. And let me tell you something right now. Some of you here today, God may be calling you to the full-time mission field and you've been hiding in your family, or you've been hiding with your age, or you've been hiding because of something else. It doesn't matter. When God decides to call people to a ministry, He doesn't look at what are their qualifications, what are their age. He just goes, nope, I'm calling this person because I've been working and getting them ready for this, and now it's time, and you just need to go. Maybe it's a jail ministry. Maybe it's foster care. Whatever the ministry might be, I need you to understand a couple of things. First of all, He will be with us. He promised that. Just like He promised Moses, I will be with you. He's empowered us. You realize He's empowered us with His Holy Spirit within our lives, that he in, He's indwelled in us. And He empowers us to fulfill the ministry calling that He's given us. He gifted us. Go read the book of Ephesians. Figure out what your gift is. God did not leave you out. Those of you who said, I have accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior at baptism, God gave you a gift. And the purpose of that gift was ministry to the body. 
So I'm not sure what your gift is. That's something you need to figure out. That's something you need to get God to work with you to, to the calling. I really didn't realize, no, what my gift was. My mother, I think, knew when I turned five. Because she said, you were the quietest kid in the world till you were four. And when you turned five, you haven't hushed up since. I just, you, you have to understand, God has called you. He's gifted you. He's given you support. All the things he gave to Moses, he gave to you. You have the support of church. You have the support of your group. You have support of Christian friends, people, whether it is accountability people or whatever. God has called you. And we can come here every week and we can sit in pews and we can pray songs and we can worship God and leave here and do nothing if we choose. But that's not what God has designed this for. He clearly says in, in 2 Timothy, you've been saved and called not because of anything you've done but because of his own purpose. Pick up on that word. His own purpose and grace. God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for you in ministry. And I'm here to tell you, some of you, it might be in another part of this world. It might not be here. Now, I think God gives some people to grow where they're planted. Remember the miracle that Jesus did of the deaf mute that was living in the tombs? In, in, in Mark, the book of Mark. What did Jesus tell him once Jesus healed him? He wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus said, nope. You need to stay right here. And, and, and share your testimony to all of the people around here and the people you come in contact with of how God has healed you. That might be your ministry. But it just might be somewhere else. It might be in Haiti. It might be in Honduras. It might be in Ireland. It might be in India. I've been to three or four of those places. But you know what? There are places here too. And God may have put you in a certain situation, in a certain place right now, and gifted you to fulfill a ministry. But what he needs to accomplish that ministry, there's one thing. Can you tell me? Huh? He needs us. He needs that too. But he needs us. He needs you. I've become convinced in my life that there are people called to certain ministries and God called them to that and if they refuse, that ministry may not get done. I didn't believe that when I was young out of Bible college. I just figured God go get somebody else. No. I don't believe that. Because I've seen in Scripture that, that's not what I believe. I, I think God calls you and if you don't accept it, there might be someone God puts in front of you that may not hear the word of God. And I don't think we want that on our conscience. So no matter what happens today, no matter what you get out of what was said today, what God has shared with you today, understand this. 
God needs you to accept your call and to fulfill the mission and the purpose that he's placed before you. I ask the band to come on up as we get ready to close out today. I pray, first of all, if you're here and you've never accepted God's call, that you've never accepted Christ, as we've seen one already do today, that you do that today. But besides that, for the rest of us who've accepted God's call, we need to figure out how God has gifted us and how I can use it to, to spread his kingdom in a chaotic world. And we know how that's been. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for...